from him who in the midst of death all around us is the resurrection and the life. Be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson, especially Jesus' words, where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. This is our text. So you know by now that our theme for our sermon series this Lent is the gospel in seven words. That's been our goal, is to formulate in our minds our own individual little gospel that comes in seven words. Because as we heard the first week from Peter, we are always to be prepared. Always be prepared to give the hope that you have within you to those who ask you. So as we take Peter's instructions seriously, we're considering how we might summarize the gospel in clear and concise language in our own words. And as we've been thinking about that, we've been thinking about how there are really two main messages that we want to get across in our own little formulation of the gospel in seven words. First, we want to remember that we are sinful, that we are evil, that we have been separated from God. And that's the source of everything that is wrong in life. We need to make that clear because if we don't know that we have a need, have a need for a Savior, a Savior means nothing to us. And so then comes the second part of it, which is far more important, and that is the gospel, the good news of forgiveness and life in Jesus, in his life and death and resurrection. And so together, those two little messages, the bad news and the good news, are the truth of the gospel. So last week, we considered those things by thinking about the theme of captivity and freedom. We took very seriously the imprisoning power of our sin that we are bound in it, that we are slaves to it, that we cannot free ourselves from sin or death or the devil on our own. And then we rejoice that God has given us freedom. He has won freedom for us in Jesus, who is life for us. And so hopefully last week got your creative juices flowing a little bit and you've been contemplating it and thinking about what your seven words would be throughout the course of this week. And so today we're going to examine another prominent biblical theme, one that we see all the way from the beginning of Scripture in the book of Genesis all the way through to the end in the book of Revelation. And that is the whole matter, the whole idea, the whole theme of death and life. And I want to consider those two in that order today. First death, then life. When you think about that word death, what words come into your mind? I think of words like separation or pain. I think of finality. I think of the unknown because we don't know where that leads or where it's going. It doesn't seem like we know it anyway unless we read Scripture. And to be honest, that word death raises fear in our hearts. After all, there is nothing more scary in life than death itself. 
So we want to be real this morning. We want to remind ourselves that death is really scary. And if you aren't afraid of death, I would encourage you to just show up at a funeral like one we had here yesterday afternoon. Come to the front of the church, look at that body in the casket, and examine it for what it really is. That was a person who was once alive, who was with us, who was a friend to us, or a neighbor, or a partner, a spouse. And now that person is no longer with us. They are dead and gone from this earth. We will not see them again in this life. Their bodies are there, but we aren't only bodies. And so if you ever needed evidence that things are not right in this world, that there's something terribly wrong with this world, all you have to do is show up at a funeral and examine what is really happening there. Now, some people say that death is natural, that that death is even beautiful or good, but every time I hear that, I'm reminded of one of our members at our church in Virginia when we were there, Julius Harcourt, who came to his wife's columbarium that was there in our churchyard where her remains were, her ashes were. He would come every single day to church and visit her remains. And almost every day he would stop into my office and he would say to me, you know, Pastor, death was never meant to be. Death is evil. It's awful. It's horrible. I miss my wife. I want to see her again. Even when it's expected, even then it brings on pain and suffering. Death is never good. It's never the way things should be. It's never the way things were meant to be. It never was from the very beginning. In fact, let's go back to the beginning. Think about the way things were in the Garden of Eden. It was teeming with life, good life, Very good life. God had been very clear that life would continue as long as his people listened to him and obeyed. People would keep on living forever and ever. And as long as we trusted in him and lived accordingly, life would be there. It would never end. But God said, if you eat of that tree, you will die. Eat from the tree and life will end. And you know the story. We ate and we died. And that's the way it's been ever since throughout the course of the history of the world. In our reading from John 11, Jesus got very close up and very personal with the separation and the grief and the sorrow that accompanies death because his dearly beloved friend Lazarus had fallen ill and eventually died. He left behind two sisters that Jesus also loved. And we hear from Scripture that this actually made Jesus cry. Jesus wept. And John tells us that he was deeply moved in his spirit and that he was greatly troubled, and rightly so, right? Because death is a terrible thing, even to Jesus. Now, we don't know this because John doesn't tell us this, but but I would imagine that the emotion that Jesus felt at Lazarus' death must have reinforced for him the reason why he came. It must have reinforced for him his mission and what he needed to do, the mission for which he had been sent. 
And what was that mission? What did Jesus come to do? Well, tell me. Really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you tell me this morning because I want to read through a number of Bible passages here that are probably familiar to you. But as I read them, I'm going to leave out a key word and I want you to speak that word out loud here this morning. And all these passages are from the Gospel of John and all of them except the last one of them is from the mouth of Jesus himself. Let's see how well you can do on this. First this, Jesus said this to Martha as they mourned the death of Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the, very good. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And I bet you know this one because we just talked about it with the kids just a little while ago. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal, very good. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of, come on, that's it, the light of life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal good. The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I come that they may have And have it abundantly. I am the way and the truth and the life. Very good. Just one more. At the end of his gospel, John summarizes the reason for his writing the gospel. In John 20, verse 31, he says this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have very good. Are you noticing a theme here? Are you noticing what's happening here? Nineteen times in the Gospel of John, we read that Jesus has come to give life. Real life, abundant life, meaningful life, eternal life, life that never ends. In a world that is filled with death, that's what Jesus came to do, and that's what he came to give. Lord, to whom shall we go, the disciples said. You have the words of eternal, very good. It's Jesus' words that make all the difference. Jesus spoke them throughout his entire ministry to to people who were broken and hurting, people who were sorry and sad, words of forgiveness he spoke to them, words of promise, words of peace, words that literally gave life. Because when Jesus says something, the words that come out of his mouth have the power to do what they say. So when Jesus speaks life, it happens. Think about what happened with Jairus' daughter or to the widow of Nain's son or to Lazarus in our reading from John today. Jesus spoke to the dead and they were brought back to life. So when he speaks to your grave, you will be brought back to life. All it takes is his word and his word will be spoken. And after Jesus did all this, he sent his disciples to speak those same words to speak them to Jerusalem and Judea, to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to you, to me, 
to everyone living in the valley of the shadow of death, he speaks them, and he continues to speak these words to us as we gather together in this place, as, as we confess our sins, as we gather around his table and receive his body and blood to eat and drink so that we have life. And then he sends us to speak those words out there in the community. When we return to our homes, our workplaces, our jobs, our neighborhoods. Psalm 118 talks about these things. I wonder if you know that Psalm 118 was actually Martin Luther's very favorite psalm. He said, this is my own beloved psalm. Although the entire Psalter and all of Holy Scripture are dear to me as my only comfort and source of life, I fell in love with this psalm especially. Therefore, I call it my own. And in fact, Luther's personal motto in life was verse 17 in that psalm. And some historians say that he even carved verse 17 on his study wall. You know what Psalm 118 verse 17 says? I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. I wonder if you can memorize that this week. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Will you say that with me? I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what we recount. That is what we confess. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. So how do we put that today? Which seven words should we use? Well, how about these? God gives real life in Christ alone. God gives real life in Christ alone. He gives it freely and fully. He gives it abundantly and eternally. He gives it to us. And he also gives it through us. God gives real life in Christ alone. God's continuing gift to us is the gift of continuing life. No matter what life or death has to throw at us, Jesus is our life. Amen.